And I'm joined now in the studio by one Kai Kello. Hey. Maybe if I turned your mic on. Hello, Vince. Hello, hello, go. hello. Yeah. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Hi. Hi. Um, well, I invited you on the show because uh, you've just recently launched an, an LP. Yeah, I mean, it was launched on um, September 5th, and um, it's called Creole Continuum. And um, I'm quite happy with, with the recording. It's very different from uh, some of the earlier stuff that I had put out, and uh, much more in the vein of um, kind of sound poetry and some noise and much less um, like a coherent stream of words. It's almost, well, it's, it's definitely in the realm of jazz, I'd have to say. The majority of musicians, all except for one, are, you know, trained as jazz players and have, have played different kinds of jazz music uh, uh, for many, many years. So um, uh, that was definitely a huge influence on the, on the music, and uh, it, it, it comes through in the, in the overall sound, yeah. And this would come from, like, your, the stream of, you know, Kai via the Community Vibe Collective, where, where you were performing for a while, I believe. Uh, actually, no, I'd been out of the collective. I'd been, I hadn't been working with Community for, for a while. But, you that. know, going back to, like, there was a point where, where, you, were, where you were doing oh, yeah. poetry with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And before that, even, you were, you were working with musicians, I think, uh, when you were in Calgary? Yeah, in Calgary, in kind of my earlier years, I left Calgary when I was 23. Yeah. Um, and so I, 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 had, I had worked with some, with a couple of different musicians at that time, uh, doing some spoken word stuff with them. And then, and then, yeah, I mean, it's been a long time. I've, I've, I've kind of tried, been experimenting with that sort of fusion of poetry and voice and um, instrumentation. Did you know you're number one on the charts this week here? I think I saw that on Twitter. Yeah. 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 I think someone else tweeted it. You were trending. <laughs> I had to say it. What an amazing privilege. <laughs> um, there's several questions I want to ask in different directions. Um, okay, first of all, um, in terms of, like, I've, I've had the same feeling about, you know, writing anything, prose, poetry, whatever, but having it on the page and putting it out, um, like, say, say having, having it published in a nationally syndicated magazine. This is, you know, back in the day, back in the 90s. And then it's sort of like, you know, there wasn't even a ripple when you threw the stone in kind of thing. It, it just felt like that, you know. And then mm -hmm. whereas, you know, going on stage in front of like 20 people feels like something because they're right there, you know, yeah. and you know, you know, they're, they're responding to you in some way. So that, that's always been the case uh, with, um, you know, text versus uh, stage uh, work with poetry or, or prose or whatever. Um, I'm wondering if, if it's just the, the nature of the beast. Like, I think that there, there's probably not a lot of poets who would disagree with, with your, <laughs> with your, uh, yeah. with, with your thoughts on, on how things are received. If you produce an audio recording, I mean, you know, the work actually does something. You can turn it on and it makes noise. Yeah. Whereas with a book of poetry, you, you, it, it doesn't have that effect. And I think that that is one of the things that's so satisfying about um, recording it and working with sound. And, and also about performance, too, because when you perform, um, there's... Uh, you know, depending on the intensity of your performance, I guess there's there's some degree of uh, of, of 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 release and uh, projection of whatever the ideas and the energy uh, and the emotions are that you had had um, prior to the performance, and that in itself is is very um, uh, it's very satisfying mm -hmm. in a way that. Um, 
perhaps putting stuff down on the page isn't that is is kind of its own its own reward but like uh, you know you're a writer i'm sure you're a reader right? absolutely like yeah. you don't you don't sit around like watching youtube all day do you uh i did go through a period where um the internet kind of stole my mind <laughs> and i and 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 you know like where i like my whole reading process was disrupted right. for a couple of years and i couldn't get through like a complete novel i couldn't sustain the interest in in a book of poetry and it was just the process of reading was uh was kind of interrupted and slowed and derailed by the fact that when you're online um there are you know there's there's moving type there's color there are images uh, all kinds of other distractions to click upon you kind of have access to everything at once it's a simultaneous um visual sonic uh click interactive experience whereas a book just seems is is is, is not that but i mean I, i gradually um my 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 kind of reading process and ability sort of clawed its way back and reestablished yeah. itself yeah, yeah. um I, I had a thought while I was online just recently where I was like going through the news feed and I thought I'm channel surfing and I always hated people who channel surfed because it was like if you're going to do that why watch TV at all because you're mm-hmm. not absorbing anything but I was doing the exact same thing with the news feed where I was just like looking through the, at the stream of images not processing any of it but, right. but but being like a monkey with the bar you know like just keep pressing the bar kind of thing so yeah you sort of have to you know step away from that kind of uh instant gratification in a way if if you want to get back into the realm of text i think for me the realization was that when you're like as with channel surfing and and kind of parsing or skimming your news feed you are it's the same process as browsing mm-hmm. you know it's kind of a, a form of like passive shopping that you're yeah, doing yeah, and yeah. and and frankly like uh, a person does not need to be shopping all the time i think like i think that is a human trait you know, to, to browse. It's mm-hmm. sort of like when you're, you know, out in the fields looking for like, Ooh, there's ripe berries or whatever. Like it goes right back to our earliest sort of, uh, programming. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're getting kind of off the track in, 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 in the sense of your, your work. Uh, let's, let's talk some more about Creole Continuum. What's the, what's that about the title Creole Con- Continuum? Um, Creole Continuum is, uh, well, I think, I, we, yeah, I think we're still on topic cause we're taught we've, we've veered away from, our original point of departure, but we're talking about how I, we were talking about how you know the poetic process and writing process kind of moved away from the page and mm-hmm. the reading process and toward uh, something else. So mm, okay, uh, okay. So Creole Continuum was um, uh, I copped the the, uh, the title from from studies in linguistics from the sixties and seventies, basically studies in societies in which there's a Creole. Uh, the the Creole continuum sort of is a way of representing um, movement between uh, the sort of official language and the Creole and vice versa. So it's okay. these steps that represent the linguistic steps between the two. Um, and uh, those steps can also, when you when you think about them more broadly, they can also represent um, uh, different positions on the socioeconomic ladder, for instance, different levels of education, mm. um, even different areas of residence within a particular uh, city or country. Um, and uh, I, I like that idea. I mean, I, you know, as a person of, of distant African origin, um, a member of the diaspora, I feel that uh, you, we're all part of this kind of 
Creole continuum in a sense where you don't know what your 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 ancestral language might be or your you know the language of your ancestors was but and whatever you speak and you articulate is might be at many removes from that um, and so there's a kind of linguistic continuum on which you exist and I thought that some of the articulations of this record were on this record were nonsense but nonsense in 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 Nonsense not meaning having zero meaning, but nonsense meaning um, they are not intelligible in our language, and they're not necessarily in any language, but there's nonetheless um, an impulse and a, and, a, and, a, and a felt experience behind them, one that can be related to by someone who's listening, mm. Mm. and a yearning, too. Well, that's some interesting reading. Do you usually read sort of like um, linguistic texts, or...? How did you? Uh, no, no. I, I, I. Uh, how did I? Um, I. How did I come across this? Uh, I don't. I don't remember exactly how I stumbled. Well, uh, I think I had been been reading about uh, uh, um, language in Guyana, where mm-hmm. my mom's family is from, and um, uh, and I come come across this uh, the term and the you know. And then you investigated. And then I investigated. Yeah. Um, why don't we listen to a track and then we'll come back and, uh, and talk some more. Sure. Num per i per Eric 
Oat by Rick. Oat by Rick. This is CKUT 90.3 FM, and uh, my name is Vince. This is the Kitchen Bang Bang Law. The time is 12.55 in the afternoon, and I'm uh, joined in the studio by Kai Kello, uh, poet, writer, performer, Mm. bon vivant. Bon vivant. (laughs) Sure, I'll take it. Uh, We've been talking about his uh, disc uh, Creole Continuum, and we just heard a track. We heard Houseman's Ransom Note from Creole Continuum. Tell me about Houseman. Houseman, um, that was a, a, a piece that was, uh, vo- the additional vocal is, is Kim Zombick and um, uh, Ted Strauss on piano. And um, it was, that's actually the one piece on the record that, that, that was, that leaves basically no room for any improvisation. Um, and so it's an adaptation of an optophonetic poem from the early part of the 20th century by a Raoul Houseman. And um, we kind of, loosely interpreted it we didn't we didn't go you know exactly according to Hausman's uh specifications but um uh it's a reference to i guess a nod to old data sound poetry um 
And we actually had an interesting time working on that piece because even though it doesn't sound like a song, it, it's made up of about like 16 different parts mm. and they repeat in different order um, as, right. as, the, uh, as the piece progresses. Yeah. Um, oh, it's interesting that, that, that you reach back to, to the Dada spoken word or the poetry, the, the sound poetry. Um, are, are there other sources that you find interesting? Like are you interested in what the... Um, four horsemen were up to in in the 70s or or? yeah yeah Um, i'm very much interested in what the four horsemen were doing and paul dutton um i've always liked um his work when i used to do a show here on ckut um uh i would try to sneak in some paul dutton from time to time uh he had an album here called um i think mouthpieces uh yeah and um it came out in the 90s i believe yeah, yeah yeah it did yeah and he um I like what Paul does and uh, what the Four Horsemen did. Also, for a while, I was really kind of into what the dub poets were doing. So people like Linton Kwesi Johnson, Mikey Smith, even though, you know, some of them had more of an edge where they broke out of language and just just kind of used their voice and sound. Um, uh, they weren't all like that. But uh, but, yeah, the dub poets were were influential at a certain point. Um, and generally, I mean, I, I listen to, I like to listen to vocalists that I find interesting, anyone whose voice is interesting. I mean, old rock and roll singers, um, vocalies, specialists, jazz singers, and so forth. And to kind of pluck and extract and, and adapt ideas from what they're doing um, to my own practice. So, yeah, thinking about dub poetry, actually, because, you know, one of the things about dub poetry is they're, they're sort of bringing the news you know, a lot of, uh-huh. a lot of the, like Lynn Queasy Johnson or, or, uh, Jean Bintabriz or Lillian Allen, it's about like, let's talk about issues folks. And so, um, you, you have, you have done that sort of work on, yeah. uh, in your career, but, but now you're, you're looking at, uh, something that's like way experimental. Like, is there, is there, uh, uh, are there, say, rap artists who do something like that, 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 that get right into the realm of sounds as opposed to meaning? I don't know. I'm not sure. But I, I, mean, I mean, scat singing obviously comes from, from the jazz tradition, and, and that's something that's pure vocalese. But I'm just sort of curious about other, other things that you might be picking up on. Um, I would say... Hip hop, not so much. I mean, I've always heard and listened to hip hop um, and been around it. I mean, I was 15 in 1990 and, you know, 30 in 2005. So that's that that 15 year period kind of encapsulates a major the period where hip hop had a major impact on Mm -hmm. North American and global culture Mm -hmm. and pop culture and took over pop culture. Um, uh, And so I've always been around it and been been aware of it and so i think that i can certainly say that there has been some influence although i've never directly sought it out as a source of influence um but i mean hip hip hip-hop is is a an extensive vocal tradition there's so many different rappers there's so many different experiments with voice uh with cadence with um the use of words to create meaning or to disassemble meaning um that yeah, it's definitely been much of a, 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 a much larger influence than, than what I would probably be aware of. Um, but um, 
I mean, anything from from uh, you know those 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 guys who announce and broadcast the hockey games on the radio in that kind of rapid and flawless speech mm-hmm. um, to d- daily conversation or just listening to how language functions and sound functions when you're in a room, for instance, the Salarosa restaurant, which is a unique room because it booms and echoes yeah. uh, very easily. So you might have six people in the room, all in different parts of the room, distant parts of the room, but it sounds like there are 20 people in the room. Right. And right. even though they're all speaking to one another coherently, um, the overall sonic effect is one of noise and incoherence um so i guess just listening to language and listening to voices is pretty important to me i'm curious about how you constructed these tracks um on on the new album like did you how did you construct these tracks like did did you have a text to begin with with each song or did you have a sort of a sound that you were looking for and you started to gather the musicians around and then you started to come up with what you were going to do vocally like how does how does that happen uh, with, I mean, in the future, I'd like to be a little less conservative than this, but one of my worries coming from language and being a poet is that, is that, and working in sound is that, uh, once you start to work with musicians, um, the dominant language becomes music. So mm-hmm. suddenly before you know it, you're 16 bars of verse, then chorus, then verse, then chorus, then bridge, if you're lucky. And it's all in four, four time and they decide on the key and the melody mm-hmm. and whatnot. And then you just lay your poem down over that. And what that does is that takes all of the, um, kind of structural and conceptual direction away from the poem. Um, and the poem is just a, a, it's just this kind of, of, um, pampered entity that sits on this musical cushion, you know, (laughs) and has really, it's just flaccid. It has no properties of its own, no direction of its own. And so, uh, I totally want to avoid that, um, at all costs. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the aim was to always begin with some idea of vocal direction, either, um, a piece that I was able to articulate in a particular way, knowing that that was going to shift and change once the collaboration started to take place. Um, or like you said, just with a sound or with a more rudimentary idea, um, like, okay, I'm going to spell something, uh, or we're going to, um, one of the pieces, uh, actually one that I think you might have queued up was, uh, was uh, actually, I'll say that on the record there, there's sort of three categories of piece. One is like the one we previously heard that where there's no room for improvisation and the thing was just, just kind of rehearsed and nailed down. Um, and performed that way, and it would always be performed that way. The second kind of category of pieces where there's a, um, uh, where a structure was worked out beforehand, however, it's a structure that allows for some improvisation. Um, and the, the, the majority of pieces on the record are like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third category is, is just kind of a free, open, improvised um, work. And when I was in the studio, one of the things I wanted to do was have everybody kind of play these noise pieces, totally improvised noise. And um, I have a couple of them on the record, and um, I have others that are, that are still just, just sitting on my hard drive. Um, but yeah, so, so there, there were a variety of different approaches, but it all began, they all began with some kind of vocal uh, starting point. You know, I, I started thinking about Captain Beefheart just now. Oh, yeah. Because 
you know, when you, when you sort of sit down and, and take apart what he's doing, a lot of his songs aren't really songs. Like if you, they don't actually rhyme or mm-hmm. they're not really structured verse, chorus, verse or anything like that. And he, you know, he, he controlled his band with an iron fist basically. And, and, it, and he would just use the band to create these sound sculptures mm. around his voice. But it was always about, you know, doing his thing, like telling his story or whatever. Okay. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so it is possible to control musicians. <laughs> it is. I mean, it, it's also, it's also really challenging too. Um, if, uh, like fortunately the people I was working with were fantastic, fantastic collaborators who listened well and were interested in the ideas that I had in, in bantering about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, uh, particularly grateful for that because some of them are so, um, they're just such advanced musicians. Um, you know, they know so much more about how sound works and music functions and what I do. Yeah, at the same time they were receptive, hmm. so um, that's 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 a great kind of, um, I guess, ex- collaborative experience to have. People can see some, uh, an example of that actually on on a Vimeo or something. You've got a, a video of you and Jason Sharp performing. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's that. Uh, if they go to a site called um, kaisharp.ca, K A I E S H A R P dot C A. Um, there are a few videos from the record launch, actually, uh, performing with Jason. Hmm. So, okay. I'm, I'm going to think now about, uh, where are you going from here? You just got back from Barcelona. You were saying it was sort of a, the beginnings of a, uh, of a festival that you were attending. You were there for like 10 days. Yeah. Was it, yeah. Was it more like a residency or? No, no, no. I, I, it was, it was, I was there for a panel and a performance. And, um, before that I was in Victoria, BC for some stuff, more performance, but more uh, along the spoken word lines. Um, and is that, is that a spoken word festival out there? There's or? a Canadian festival. Spoken word was what it was. So a big gathering, oh, the massive slam thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was, that was interesting. And, um, and, uh, a lot of young poets from across the country out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then in Spain it was more of an experimental kind of sound poetry uh, event, um, and uh, I don't know what the next direction is. Actually, I was I I, I um, um, I'll have to take some time to figure that out. Did you perform with musicians out in Barcelona, or or just uh, on your own? Uh, on my own, I actually brought some electronics that I was going to use. Um, to create a kind of n- noised out synthetic voice. But um, there were some other poets there from Spain and from the Netherlands who were using some electronics. And um, although I had sound checked with them, when the moment for performance came, I decided that I wasn't going to, I didn't want to be like turning knobs and tweaking buttons and whatnot while I was performing. Like it was mm-hmm. my first time in Spain, so fuck it. I'm just going to, I just want to give like, to be able to completely focus on, um, uh, giving, delivering like a forceful, uh, uh, performance. Hmm. All right. Now, well, are, are you, are you think you're, you're saying you're doing more long, long form writing now? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that one of the things that you're sort of focusing on is a, like a prose work, a big prose work? I am focusing on that. Um, it's, it's an abstract kind of focus, Vince, uh, because I'm not like actively working on it right now. Uh-huh. I was a little while ago. I was really into it. Uh, and, um, but now I've, I've just been kind of thinking about it a lot. 
it's uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's what's the word incubating yeah it's breathing and 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 swelling but but not in in terms of page count it, just in terms of the ideas surrounding it is there anything coming up uh, that you can think of that like live yeah uh i think november 16th wired on words um uh yeah with musicians or just on your own or? on my own i don't know yet what's going to happen mm-hmm. there but um but uh it'll be live all right, so people can check that out, uh, Wired on Words, or Words and Music at the Casa on November 16th. We're going to play one more track from your album to take you out, and uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you, Andrew. That's when that's what the way I was in the air. Then we'll take over. And so, what is it? I'm the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,